all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Wow. Just wave to me and smile. Let me see all of you beautiful people. With these beautiful, beautiful lights, it takes a few seconds to be able to look around the room and just look at your faces and to connect. And I know that there's people also watching at home that are also connected. It is a great honor for me to be here with the Nortland family. Yes. Wow. Thank you. I do love this family, and I feel like I'm like an uncle that gets to come and visit this family now and then, and, and, but even to watch what God is doing here and to recognize how the water level is just going up, sensing the presence. Uh, I can be honest, several times during worship, I just, uh, yeah, it could, it could have ended just there. I was ready just to want to just to surrender, and, because that's what it's all about, it's worship. Everything else is temporary. Worship is the only eternal activity we do here on earth. Everything, yes, it is. <laughs> everything else, everything I do, the master class is temporary. Mission, what I do in the Middle East is temporary. Preaching is temporary. Everything else exists with one purpose, and that is worship. The purpose of mission is to bring people into white-hot enjoyment who Papa God is, for them experiencing a God just like Jesus, so that we become worshipers in spirit and in truth. And I love this family, and I just recognize that during worship and board services, there's something about the aroma of His presence. And I thought about it, you've done very, very well with the spirit of excellence. And I want to just to recommend you as a family. From walking around this building, I just remember, I mean, because I've been coming here quite a few years, but just to see every place, there, there's this spirit of excellence that I will honor. But from the worship to the way that you are, to you greet me, to coming in here, everything is done well. And it is almost like, but I do also sensing in this next season, it's almost like you have done your part. Now God is going to do his part. And I just, yeah, yeah I can, we can give him a good hand for that. Yeah. And I just, so there is going to be these surprises, I think, in this season. He's going to just surprise you. There's going to be a moment you're just going into his presence and the first service is just going to go into the second service. And, and what we do as preachers is going to be, all we're going to do is be down there and, I'm being overwhelmed by him because whatever overwhelms you shapes you. And there's so many things that can overwhelm us these days. And what he is teaching us is to be overwhelmed by him. And I'm in a season myself. How many of you, by the way, are in the middle of some kind of a change? Let me see your hand. I know it's a silly question. You don't have to be a prophet asking that question because the whole world is changing. Everything is changing. There's a shaking going on in the wall, and anything that can be shook will be shaken. So the things that is unshakable is going to stand. There's been a sunset, and we're waiting for the sunrise. A lot of us, we're experiencing Friday, and then we've had an 18-month Saturday. <laughs> and we're waiting for Sunday to come. And so we are in this amazing change that's happening on the worldwide level. It's happening also with a church. There's incredible shaking going on. And in the middle of it, it's also painful for me to watch and to be able to help to navigate people so that people are living and loving well. Because the world deserves to have an experience with a God just like Jesus. And the Father loves us just the way we are. But he refuses us for, this, for us to stay that way. He wants us to be just like 
Jesus. And there's a beautiful thing in congratulation. You're born for such a time as this. You're born during the time when the kingdom of the Lord will become the kingdom of this world. And he's going to rule and reign forever. Wow. There are three primary questions that I believe for all of us in this season that we need to answer well. Uh, Question number one, it is what time is it? If you write that down, what time is it? And I'm looking at a watch right there, and I have a watch here. I am not talking about chronos, what time is it, but I'm talking about what time are we living in? And there's been a lot of people in church history, in world's history, that didn't understand the time they were living in. And I'm here to propose we're living during the second most important time in world's history. The the most important time was when Jesus showed up about 2,000 years ago. And a lot of people didn't understand the time they were living in. If you do not understand, what you do not understand, you will not know how to value. What you do not know how to value, you will not know how to steward. What you don't know how to steward, you will not know how to multiply. And what you don't have to multiply, you don't get authority. Put it in a positive way. What you do understand, you would value. So if I were to give you a ring and you thought it was a cubic zirconia, the way you will take care of that ring and handle the ring has all to do with the value. So if you do not realizing the timing of what we are living in, so imagine if you lived about 2,000 years ago and this one boy, 12 years old, he will run home to mama and says, mama, mama, I don't want to play with Jesus anymore. He always thinks he is right. <laughs> or what if you were playing basketball and on the opposite team was this player named Jesus. And this boy coming home, we're always losing. It's like playing against God himself. All I'm saying it is, there was a lot of people that didn't understand the time they were living in. There was a lot of people that was around Jesus that didn't recognize who they were around. There was actually very few people that was in an upper room. There was a little church of 120. Well, he influenced thousands. He fed the multitudes. He raised the dead. But it was very few people that understood the time at that moment. And the same right now, it's so important for us to understand the time. Say, understand the time. Second question that is important for each one of us to answer in a very precise way, if we're going to live and love well, if we're going to wake up in the morning full of purpose and passion, that question is, what is God doing in our generation? I didn't say, what is the devil doing? There is a thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus always comes to give life and life more abundantly. And there's a lot of people right now that are talking about what the enemy is doing instead of what God is doing because they are not seeing what God is doing. The second thing that is important with this question, do not focusing on what God is not doing. And there's a lot of people are being distracted right now by what God is not doing because they do not see what God is doing. And it is important for us to coming in and the message today is going to be, I'm just warming up my voice. It's still on the appetizer. We're going to get to the main course. But I just want at least to put the framework right. It is time for us to get into the alignment so that we can be ready for the assignment. And there's a kingdom alignment for the kingdom assignment. So say, what time is it? Say, what is God doing? And where do I fit in? How do I invest my time, my talent, and my treasure right? Because when I understand the time that we're living in, understand this is what God is doing. And then I'm making myself available. 
to be part of what God is doing and what God is blessing. So this is kind of the framework for today's message. I'm sensing there's something in my spirit and this season has been a tough season. And for a lot of us, when great men die, great wealth is being transferred. In this season, we had people like a Billy Graham that went to heaven. Then there was another one, Rainer Bunker, that went to heaven. Last year, Louis Palau was taken home. People like Oral Roberts has been going home. People like Jack Taylor, my spiritual papa, that for 21 years, almost every single day, I wake up in the morning and I call Papa Jack. When I needed wisdom before I went into the Middle East, I had a father that I could call. He was 87 years old. I just came home from Pakistan and landed in New York City that was just now in April. And when I landed in New York City, I got a call both from my wife and Mama Frieda and said, you need to come. You, you need to go down to Florida. Papa Jack is in the hospital. And I sat there at the hospital bed with Papa Jack and 72 hours, I was exhausted. I was worn out and I was believing that God again was going to quicken my father, bring healing and I had hope and I had faith and I sat with him. And then he said, because he couldn't even speak at a time. And the doctors told me, and these are the last words he said. And he looked at me and said, son, welcome back. Uh, I've been praying for you. I have it on my phone. I videotaped. He spoke. And then the second he said, son, I say, Papa, what is your favorite verse? I was just trying to see, can I have a conversation? And these are the last words he spoke. And he went to heaven. He said, Son, in this season, Moses and the rod lay it down. That was the last word he said before he died. I understood that it was very significant because somebody, before they go, what is most important? What do you have in your hand? It's a season to take what you have in your hand. Lay down the best of what you can do. And you'd not realize if you have that rod, and that was what he was talking about, one of his life messages, and I'm going to bring the rod with me up again to Northland so we can prophetically activate. But the rod represented the identity of Moses. The rod represented his inheritance. It represented his occupation. He was a shepherd. And eventually came to the point where God says, I want you to lay down. We're living in a season where we're laying down our pressure so we can pick up his pleasure. We're laying down our sadness so we can pick up his oil of gladness. We're laying down our fear so we can pick up his perfect love. We're laying down what we can do for him so we can start to work from him. And there's all those things that was in what Papa Jack was saying. But what I also realized that when great men die, great wealth is being transferred. The next thing I learned about that is there are some trust funds. And God is looking for some people to be entrusted. So if you're taking a Billy Graham and Luz Palau and Rainer Bonke, you have about 700 million names added to the Lamb's Book of Life because of three people. More than anybody else in 2,000 years. And all of them went home. And there is this incredible, that is connected, this incredible inheritance ready for sons and daughters that can be entrusted to steward to take care of what is so valuable. Because if you understand, you will know how to value. And if you can value, you can steward. And if you can steward, you can multiply. And if you can multiply, you get authority. The word that has been burning in my spirit for the last 18 months and is still burning in my bones. Because, as I say, when Papa Jack died, something in me died. 
And I've been so honored to have Greg and Michelle and close friends with me that through this morning season, because morning is one of those. I had somebody come up to me and says, don't you know where he is at? I said, the problem is not where he's at, it is where he is not. But the morning season, it's the first part is like you're losing a limb when there is covenant relationship. And the first aspect is you're bleeding to death. The second part is you have to stop the bleeding. The third one is you have to learn to live without a limb. That doesn't have to be a handicap, but you still live without a limb. So I've been going through this season and then God started to speak to me. It was before the election, these verses, and then now this month it has been burning in me. And I just heard the word saying, it is in the year King Uzziah died. And for a lot of us, we do not realize, and we're going to take a few moments and we're going to look at the Word of God, but I just wanted to give a little bit of the background. And in the next 27 minutes, I want to unpack some things for us. I think this is going to be some fresh word for the Nortland family for this season. And my heart will be in the next 30 days that you will take time and, and taking these words and focusing on a couple of those different things that God is speaking to you. Because for me right now, I'm, I'm sensing he's inviting us to have a fresh encounter. Is there anybody else that is hunger for a fresh encounter? There's been other seasons when certain things died that I had a fresh encounter. It was when I lost some of my deacon and leaders that I had an encounter with Randy Clark and my life was changed June 6, 1995. It was when I lost the church and the ministry and denomination and friends and all of that that died that I had an encounter. I had a baptism of love that changed this Norwegian. And I could just go through the times when it seems like something was dying. I had fresh encounters where you got to see him high and lifted up. So I'm saying to you, how many of you are no longer who you used to be, but you have not yet become what you're supposed to become? Let me see. Okay, so we are, you are in the right place at the right time. Fasten your seatbelt. And I'm going to try to slow down a little bit. <laughs> Isaiah 6. Let's open up our Bible to Isaiah 6 so we make this meeting legal. <laughs> in the year that King Uzziah died. Say died. I saw the Lord on the throne. He was high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one having six wings. Two he covered his feet. Two he covered his face. And two he flew. And one cried to the other saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with glory. And the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts, the one of the seraphim, and he flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he has taken with tongues from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it, and he says, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Also I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. 
I know that I started to cry a little bit here, but it's just, <laughs> it's just messy with me. It was in the year King Uzziah died. Let me just describe Uzziah for a few moments, because in case uh, that you maybe have some Uzziahs in your life that needs to die in this season. King Uzziah, I mean, he became a king when he was 16 years old. The name Uzziah means strength of Yahweh. It was the strength of God. His father was actually a godly father, uh, and he actually trained him. Greg and I talked about in the fear of the Lord. He learned about the ways of God, and he operated in the strength of Yahweh. He had a humility. It's kind of this thing that without him, I can't do nothing, but in him, I can do all things. He had that kind of a thing in him, and the byproduct of that, you can read about it in Second Chronicle 26, of all these amazing accomplishments. I mean, the People prosper, uh, family prosper, finances, agriculture. He even created a catapult. So they, as a kingdom of Judah at the time period, conquered the enemies. Nobody would stood against them. There was reformation taking place. There was revival taking place. There was transformation taking place. But then something started to happen. And by the way, Isaiah came in as a prophet. If you read a prophecy before here, you will see Isaiah the prophet. And I'm not here to point a finger. Many of the prophets are my dear friends. Are you hearing me? But a lot of the prophets in 2020, and a lot of them, they are my friends and close friends. And I honor prophets. And I honor the gift of prophecy. But a lot of the prophets was coming from the same place that Uzziah was. It is, what was them? And what was them? And that group, or us against them. And that's what you see in Isaiah. Isaiah had all of that because he was in alignment with a king Uzziah. People say, and scholars says that it was actually his cousin. So he was in a relationship, and as long as that system is in place, we have a confidence and we, we rely on that. But then Uzziah, instead of humility, he moved into pride. And the king himself, I mean, he started to step outside his area of anointing, and your anointing rests upon your assignment. This is very important because if not, you will not understand why King Saul, why did I lift up the anointing of King Saul when the sins that he committed was not too bad in man's eyes? While David committed much worse sins, but the anointing rested upon him. And God said, that's a man after my own heart. And David was a murderer. While Saul, all he did was, did a little bit what a priest did. And God says, I'm taking the anointing of you and I'm giving it to David. Because the anointing rests upon your assignment and your assignment is connected to your alignment. So what Uzziah did, he, he started to act, I can just be like a priest. And he went in and he stepped into something that somebody else is called to do. And he didn't listen to God any longer. He has become so great in himself that he didn't operate in the strength of God, but he started to operate in his own strength. And it's called Pride. And as a result of that, what happened? I'll take a little. That's the problem when you cry. And, and so the problem of this was, when he started operating in his own strength, something started to take place. He got leprosy. And leprosy is a picture of what sin does. Things in our life starts to deteriorate in our own life when we start to operate in our own strength. And I think there's some warning sign even for the whole body of Christ. When we start to see a little bit of leprosy, this is a time for humility then. 
and recognize we're trusting in certain system. It was what was them, if that was the Democrats or the one wearing masks or the one doing the vaccine. So Black Lives Matter. If you start to any of those issues that's been going on there, I am not against what's going on in the middle of everything else, but I had to repent myself because I started to listen to some of the voices that was out there and I start to stop listening to God's voice. And I started to rely on some of the Uzziahs. And I didn't know that the Uzziahs started to get leprosy. And I started to embrace the pride where God says, I resist the proud. And I only give grace to the humble. Including my life. So now the situation has changed. Uzziah died. And at that moment, there was a crisis moment going on. Who am I? The identity crisis is, I know who I was when this system is in place, but the system is changing right in the front of us. And we are in a crisis moment because the shaking has begun. But in the middle of it, it's important. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw him high and lifted up. What are you seeing? So number one, is there any Uzziahs in your life? Is there some areas that started in God's strength, but now you're operating in your own strength? Is there an area in your life where you're not totally free because whom the Son set free is free indeed? And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's always liberty and freedom. So when the Uzziah, so I have been going through my life and just been honest, and there's nothing wrong with having a spiritual father. There was nothing wrong with Papa Jack or anything else. But I just realized that I've learned to rely on so many things that I'm in a crisis moment when many of those things is changing and a lot of us are in that change. And I realized that you only have authority over what you weep over and you have authority over what you love. And what we have done in this season, we roared as lions but we forgot to do it from the lamb's heart. And we're no longer broken over the things that is broken. That's part of why I'm weeping up because I'm feeling something with America. Tomorrow we'll be out among the homeless because I'm trying to learn about the lamb. I'm, I'm sitting with the ones that nobody wants to sit with. I'm sitting with, and I'm, I've been doing it for over a year now, four or five times a week when I'm home, I'm just going out to the ones that nobody wants to, because I want, I want the lamb and the lamb's heart to be broken over the things that is broken. And I feel the father's heart, but it was in the year King Uzziah died. So who's our Uzziah? What are you seeing in that season? This season, that's when I saw him high and lifted up. I'm not seeing everything that CNN is seeing or Fox is seeing. I'm not seeing it, but I saw him. And who is he? He is God. But who, where is he? He is high and he is lifted up. Where is he sitting? He is sitting on the throne, large and in charge. And with everything that is going on in America, what are we seeing in this season? Are we seeing him ruling and reigning? That's what he does. That's God's job description. He rules and he reigns and he does it very, very well. And he's sitting on the throne, not nervous about what's taking place. He's sitting on the throne. And when Isaiah captured that, he realized, whew, the train of his robe filled the temple. Oh, I'm sensing there's a filling of the train of his robe filling this temple, but also this temple. There's an outpouring of glory we're about to see like we've never seen before. And if you talk about what the enemy is doing, I know what God is doing. 
I mentioned the three questions. Why do we have so much division? Because we're going to see unity in a way we've never seen before. Why is the enemy attacking family? Because the next revival in America is a family revival. It is a generational revival. We're going to need grandmas and grandpa, fathers and mothers, sons and daughters. Why is the enemy trying to kill the unborn? Because they are the forerunner generation. That's why he's trying to kill because the Moseses are coming. That's why they're trying to kill a baby because Jesus the Savior is coming. And we get distracted by what the enemy is doing because we don't see what God is doing. I saw him high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. Oh, I sense there's a new outpouring, a new outpouring where he's going to fill the temple with his glory in a way we've never seen before. It's like when you touch the hem of his garment, you got healed, that woman. That is the same word that is being used here of that robe filling the temple. Oh, I look forward to for people. It doesn't matter who they touch of us, but the immune system of the body of Christ is going to be so healthy. It doesn't matter where you touch, you're going to be healed. The immune system of the body is so healthy that stage four cancer cannot live. Right before COVID, we took a team of 18 people to the Philippines. And it's the first time I have seen it. We prayed for 541 people and 100% of them got healed. 100%. And I didn't pray for one single one. I was sick with migraine while the team went out. Everyone that we shared Jesus with got saved. But we spent two days before just having a baptism of love. So that we became one, just as he is one with the Father. And from that oneness, it didn't matter who you touched, because you touched him. And it was transformation taking place. I knew it was a taste of something that God wants for the future, that we're going to see. The next thing he said, holy, 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 the whole earth is filled with a glory. This is another thing. When you see his holiness, you see his love. When you see his holiness, you see his joy. When you see his holiness, you have his peace. And when you're looking at his love, you see his holiness. When you look at his holiness, you see his love. It's an impossibility to look at his face without changing your face. And the way you look at everything else. I actually believe that every problem we are facing down here, the answer is found in the face of God. Could I say that one more time? If you're making a list of all the issues we're struggling with here, there's an answer you can find in the face of God. So what Isaiah, when he looked at him, holy, holy, holy. And then he says, the whole earth is filled with glory. It didn't say the whole earth is full of darkness. It didn't say the whole earth is full of division. In the natural, that's true. It was true for Isaiah and it is true for us to describe from this realm what's going on. But when he has seen the Lord, the way he's seeing everything else, the whole earth is filled with what? The whole earth is filled with? Wow. Can you see glory all over Atlanta? Can you see glory all over America, all over Washington, D.C.? There's glory everywhere. There's maybe some mud, but underneath that mud there is a diamond. And when you're stepping into glory, you can go from glory to glory. And you will deal with glory management instead of sin management. Because when you see who he is, you see who you are and also who you are not. When he recognized that, I know we, there was this seraphim, cover the face, worship, cover the feet, you walk. And with two of the wings was holding it up. And then it goes in that when he realized that, wow, holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is filled. 
Then he saw this one seraphim that took a coal of fire and he placed it on his lips. Why would he use a tongue to be able to get the fire from the altar? I believe it is because that each one of us, there's a coal of fire in the altar of heaven for each one of us. The angels are fire themselves. They use the tongue customized. And there's something that he wants to customize for Leif Hetland in this season. There's something that needs to touch my lips because what I'm saying is connected to what I'm seeing. Yeah. Say, see it. Say, say it. Seize it. So when he saw him high and lifted up, before you're looking at woe is them, now it is woe is me. I am the one with unclean lip. The problem is not Islam. The problem is not what's going on there. The problem is not the darkness, but the lack of light. And I don't have the light to change darkness. We didn't have enough salt to stop this rottenness. And I going before him so that you can receive, become so you can release. Are you getting it? Is it getting you? Hopefully. So when he saw him, he saw himself. I am the one. And when he take that tongue of fire, touch on his lips, there's this cleansing that is going on. And I believe that he is cleansing us in a way, cleansing my motive, cleansing my tongues. And the next thing, it puts also something on my lips and that's what I feel in me. There's a fire burning. I'm a burning one. I want to be a burning bush to burn brightly without burning out. But I believe that with all of us as sons and daughters, instead of being complacent, there's a new fire that is burning on us. But it is coming from the Lamb's nature. And then the lion is going to show up. And you have authority over what you love. The identity is in the Lamb, but the authority is in the lion. And you're going to roar again. Isaiah is going to roar again. But this time when you roar, it comes from a different place. People will gather, not scatter. It's going to bring unity. But here's the interesting thing. After his lips is on fire, he's burning. Something is burning in us. There's a new message. There's a new fire. There's a God. He's sitting on the throne. He's ruling and reigning. He's not upset with his world. There's a God that loves you so much. And suddenly this new message that is coming from cleansed tongues. Then the next thing that's happening, the ears is open up. Can I ask you an honest question? How many of you struggle a little bit to hear God's voice in this season? Okay, let me say it in another way. How many of you know there's a lot of noise going on in America right now? And in the middle of that still small voice that is whispering, hey Tyler, hey Greg, that still small voice, there's so much noise going on in the world. And in the middle of it, I know that the Father is inviting. And I want you to see, when his tongue got on fire, there was the cleansing, and he had a new message. Something started to burn. Something started to burn in him. The Bible says the the ear opened up. How do I know? Because now he can hear the conversation going on in heaven. He's no longer listening to what CNN is saying, or what Fox is saying. or He's hearing something different. And heaven has a different conversation in what's going on in Atlanta, what's going on in America, what's going on in the world, what's going on with COVID. Heaven has a different conversation. And right there, heaven is one that God is wondering about right now. Who am I going to be able to send? And who will go for us? Say us. Who is us? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
Who will represent the family in heaven and represent it here on earth? Who will represent the value system of what is in heaven and to be able to bring that to earth? Who will represent a good God, a loving God that wants his family back, that sees the brokenness that is going on here and being broken over what is broken? A little testimony. A few years ago, I visited an imam that I got to ch- shake his hand, but this imam didn't like me. Uh, he actually brought Taliban as well as ISIS have been together in this region and area. Somebody told me, you cannot go into this area, they're going to kill you. And I say, if I go into this area, is the love I have for them greater than their hate for me? And the second question I have is also, you cannot kill a dead person. I mean, I've been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live. But it was a challenge for me because this area was very, very dark. And to make that story short, with his imam, he had shook my hand in an official meeting. He went and he cleaned his hand afterwards because he said, I touched an infidel, an unclean person. He stirred up trouble to try to kill me several different times said that I had blasphemed the great prophet Muhammad. And I can be honest, I started to struggle with this person on me. It's like there was this fear, what is he going to do next? And God had to deal with me because I started to see this person as a problem instead of a promise. I started to see the terrorist Saul because I couldn't see the apostle Paul. I started to treat somebody based upon their history instead of their destiny. And I repented when I realized that he was not the problem, I'm the problem. And I said, Father, I know what he deserved, but could you place that on me so that he can become free? That's called the ministry of reconciliation. Will you represent God before people and people before God? It's the priestly realm in us. That's the lamb in us. And Jesus is that lamb, the lamb that is in us. That's just his grace to be able to do that. And then in the next moment, a year later, we visited and there was a group of imams sitting there. I actually have it. I think I've maybe shown it to you, Greg, but I have it on the phone. But his imam is sitting there. He had just fallen and broken his arm and he sat there with a cat. And you are not allowed as an infidel to touch them. But I I just felt the freedom. With all the imams going on, I went over and I touched his cat. I said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And all the imams looked at me. But the next moment, the bone just came right together and he got totally healed. Because you have authority over what you love. Before then, I didn't love this person. It's a God that loves this world so much that he will give his only begotten son. It is a son that loves so much this world that he will leave his father and come down to become sin so that we can become righteous, to take our shame so we are glorified, to take our sickness and disease so by his stripes we are healed. And then he said, as the father sent me, I'm sending you with the same gift to represent God before people. This imam, we were just back now during COVID-19 in the middle of the crisis going on. April, the day before, I got to see Papa Jack. So in April, we were in there in the Middle East again. Now this time we came into that region and area. The atmosphere changed. The presence started to show up. We were in the madrasas with the radical kids and I got it on the phone and we just prayed for people. The presence of Jesus showed up. But we came in there and they had horses and carriages and they put me on the top of a horse. I'm a little afraid of horses. And they were riding us into this area and I was thinking about Jesus with a, with a donkey. 
So a few years earlier, this is a radical ISIS Taliban leader. At that moment, he went and cleaned his hand because I was an infidel and he wanted to kill me. Now he's putting me on a horse and bringing me in and wanted to know about this Jesus. And all I had to change is my attitude. A genuine repentance. And it's been a challenge in this season, in this climate. It's been a challenge. Many of you know my son-in-law is African-American. His mom died during COVID-19. That was right when George Floyd was happening. It's personal for me. I'm Norwegian. So you can say, well, you don't understand all this politics. Maybe not. But I understand Jesus. And a lot of people wanted to, for me to have to make, are you for us or are you against us? Uh, are you for this or are you for that? Uh, they're trying to give me two options. And, and I learned that when I lived in Alabama. Do you like Alabama or Auburn? And I'm saying, well, I like ski sport. No, no, you have to make a choice here. I mean, which team are you on? Then I came to Ireland. Are you for the Protestants or Catholics? Well, I'm in Kosovo. Are you for the Kosovo Albanian or are you for the Serbs? I came to South Africa, 94. Black, white. I mean, constantly there's us against them. And that was where Isaiah was until Uzziah died. I saw him high and lifted up. I see who I am. I'm actually the issue. Leif Hetland is the issue. And then he can do something. He cleanses our lips and he sets us on fire. Our ears open up. We can hear the conversation in heaven. The family of heaven is inviting us to join God in what he is doing. And what he is blessing for such a time as this. And I can hear the conversation in heaven. Over two million orphans. I've been sitting with Greg. His ears has opened up. Dr. Susan Hillis came up to me and hugged me after the other service. We were having a conversation with some leaders this week on Zoom, and she came up. And when I heard about Ebola, and other people talked about Ebola, I heard about the orphans. She's listening to a conversation in heaven and making herself available. Somebody else, some of those issues that you're weeping over, starts to write it down. It's an indicator because you have authority over what you weep over. But you also have authority over what you love. So with my son-in-law, we were up in Elgin, Alabama, when we went into this big open field. My daughter, her, that's my oldest daughter, her name is Lila. Used to be Hetland, now her name is Lila Fuqua. But when I drove in, we're going into the Fuqua land, and I started to weep. I started to weep. I thought I understood some of the black-white situation. This is in the middle of the George Floyd. But I didn't understand. So I didn't know how to value. I didn't know how to steward. I didn't know how to multiply. I couldn't get authority. At that day, I wept. We went in there because the Fuqua farm was the land where the slave owner used to own his family. And the burial place where we buried was because you're black, you can have this lot where you bury your family. That's where his mom and his dad and his grandparents, everybody's buried there. And we stood there as they buried his mother. So I walked into the streets of Atlanta when I came home. And I know people judge me that I was out there marching, not politically speaking, but just the lamb. I want to identify with his people. Because you have authority of what you weep over. This is my city. And I'm in a process, I've been in a long process because COVID-19 to become an American citizen. 28 years, I've been, I've had an opportunity for over 30 years, but I waited and waited, but I know 
with America, what God is doing in America, I want to be in on it. And I need to lay down my life for what I believe in. And lay down my life as a sacrifice for what God wants to do for this generation and a generation to come. And I felt just the invitation in this season is, who are we going to send? Who will do something about what's going on here? God could do it himself, but they've chosen to do it through family, to sons and daughters, to somebody coming into an agreement who he is. And stop, woe is them, but more woe is me. I take responsibility because I've seen you and I've seen me and now I'm looking out and I'm making myself available to be an answer to some of the problems. Can we stand to our feet? I know it's a little serious message and I'm crying a little bit, but it's something in me. I'm heading to the Middle East again. What's watching with the Taliban is just breaking on my heart. I'm just watching some things that is personal. The top Muslim imam of Pakistan is coming to Washington, D.C. and New York. And I'm bringing him here to Atlanta in a couple of weeks. And we're just, I'm just recognizing that this, I've just, can I just confess to you that it's been a season, and I'm honest with you, I live a good life. We have the master class, we have so many amazing things going on, coming up with a new book, and living a good home, beautiful wife, we're in a good season. And there's that one side of me that can just enjoy all the blessings that I forget about the blesser. And I'm just recognizing that, I thought, like I'm 55. I've had broken neck, broken back every day with pain for over 30 years. I have scars all over this Norwegian body and it's hard to be that bulldozer, to going into the darkest places. And there was a time when I almost wanted just to compromise and say, no, well, I can enjoy good church, conferences, meetings. So I went to this life coach, executive coach, and he says, Lee, you could do 10 events and you could choose where you want to do it. You have 400 invitations a year and you choose 10. And you can live your dream. And the more he described it, it sounded like a nightmare. Because I know what my life is about. I'm like a coin in his hand. And you can spend me in whatever way you want to. I did step into the offering plate again. And I'm doing it again and again. Here am I. Send me. Tomorrow night I'm going to sit with some homeless alcoholics. Mainly because I need to know what's broken. And the key to that was actually your pastor, Greg, that says, Leif, you're going to be entrusted with the top 1%, but your heart is on the bottom. Make sure your heart is on the bottom, then your head is on the top. And my focus is not to have favor on the top. My focus is how can I stay broken over what's broken? And I just feel even for you as a church in this season that what the Lord is even saying, if you take care of the ones that nobody wants, God will give you the ones that everybody wants. I want you just to hold out your hands and this is between you and I know we're going a couple of minutes over, but it's worth it. I'm just sensing there's a holy moment. I felt this was a word for Nortland. It's a word for this season. And my question to you, is there still any Uzziahs left? And I hope you're hearing me. I'm not dishonoring my prophets, friends, from last year. Many of them have humble and said we were wrong. And many of them, there's humility. I'd rather have somebody step out of the boat and sink than sit in a boat. So do not stop us from taking risk. But when we are doing sinking, let's be humble and say, I, I, I was wrong. I'm mistaken and 
a lot of my friends have gone out public and said, I was wrong, or maybe come from the wrong spirit, but I didn't mean to. So do you have any Uzziahs in your life, something you have been holding on to, something you've been trusted in, something has disappointed you because I heard hope defer has made your heart sick. But in this season, it's time for you to dream again because it is the tree of life. What are you seeing? What are you seeing? What are you seeing? I saw him. He's the loving father. I saw him and he is high and he is lifted up and he's seated on the throne. Maybe some of you, it's like myself going through a little confession where I just, I'm the one with unclean lips. And I live among other broken people when I struggle with my own brokenness. Heal people heals people. Hurt people hurts people. And I've been hurting a lot. And I started to be prejudiced against people that was prejudiced. I started to judge people that was judging. And I've had to repent. And I have to learn how to wash the feet of Judas again. And washing the feet of Peter that is about to deny me. Because Jesus said, as I have loved you, you love one another. And that was including of the washing of the feet. So I just release even this grace, grace, grace right now. This is not a heavy, it is a freedom message. Where we become free from self. And I just want to present myself as a living sacrifice and say, here am I, send me. Can you say that with me? Here am I, send me. Say that again. One more time. Holy, Holy Spirit, just come. Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Bride says, come. Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit. This beautiful family, beautiful sons and daughters, fathers and mothers, grandmas and grandpas, this beautiful, beautiful family, the three generational blessings in this house. Father, I just ask from this place that the tears is going to produce rain. Thank you that this is not from pressure, but it is from pleasure. Not something we need to do, but something we just get to be. And we rest in that. I did feel that you're supposed to take a step today for this is whoever this is for. But I felt it's just a step of faith and saying, I want to surrender again. There was three things, revival in that surrender, transformation and reformation. Myself, my family, my resources. I just place myself in the offering place and say, if you can use me. I know there's so many other people that are greater than me out there. And I'm not saying that out of false humility, I know. But at least I'm going to make myself available. For anything that's going on, if you can use me, here am I. I make myself available. Send me. If that is you, you can either, I know the ministry team is going to come up, Tyler's coming up, but either kneel down just as a sign of humility 
sit down or come forward. But I feel like respond in one way or other to just make yourself available to him. He has built a beautiful fireplace. Now he's about to send a fire. It's thick in here right now. <laughs> At this very moment, just take a step. One, two, three. Take a step. Kneel. Just do just a little action. I do not always know what that means, but God does. He just sees you. He loves you. He delights in you. He was never upset with Isaiah. He was just upset with Isaiah the way that Isaiah was upset with the world that God loves. <laughs> and he wanted Isaiah to see what he was seeing and love what he was loving and making himself available so that the love that is between the Father, Son, Spirit could be manifested on earth as it is in heaven. Lay, thank you so much for ministering.